Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Now there arose a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, with our sons and daughters, we are many. So let us get grain that we may eat and keep alive. There were also those who said, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards and our houses to get grain because of the famine. And then there were those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's taxes on our fields and our vineyards. Now our flesh is the flesh of our brothers. Our children are as their children. Yet we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves, for some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but it is not in our power to help it, for other men have our fields and our vineyards. I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. I took counsel with myself, and I brought charges against the nobles and the officials, and I said to them, You are accepting interest, each of his brother. And I held a great assembly against them and said to them, We, as far as we are able, have brought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations. But you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us. They were silent and could not find a word to say. So I said, the thing that you were doing is not good. Ought you not to walk in fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? Moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain. Let us abandon this exacting of interest. Return them this day their fields, their vineyards, their olive orchards and their houses and the percentage of money, grain, wine and oil that you have been exacting from them. Then they said, we will restore these and require nothing from them. We will do as you say. And I called the priests and made them swear to do as they had promised. I shook out the folds of my garment and said, so may God shake out every man from his house and, his, and from his labour who does not keep this promise. So may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen, and praised the Lord, and the people did as they had promised. Moreover, from that time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes the king, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance from the governor. The former governors who were before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took from them for their daily ration 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants lorded it over the people. But I did not do so because of the fear of God. I also preserved in the work on this wall and we acquired no land and all my servants were gathered there for the work. Moreover, there were, uh, there were at my table 150 men, Jews officials, beside those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now what was prepared at my expense for each day was one ox and six choice sheep and birds and every 10 days all kinds of wine in abundance. Yet for all this, I did not demand the food allowance of the governor because the service was too heavy on this people. Remember my, for my good, oh my God, that all I have done for this people. Thanks for that, Naomi. Uh, we're now going to hand over to Rich, who's going who's to preach to us on, on that passage. Uh, I'm just going to pray for Rich before, before he does that. Lord, I, I, I pray that you will uh, speak through Rich to us today. You will uh, anoint his words with your Holy Spirit. 
You will speak to our hearts. You will challenge us. You will convict us. You will inspire us. You will encourage us through, through the words of this passage we've just read and how, how Rich explains it to us, Lord. I pray that there'd be change as we, as we leave this morning from what's, what's taught to us from Rich. Bless him, I pray, in your name. Amen. Amen. Over to you, Rich. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Naomi, for reading that. Uh, good morning, everyone. I hope that you're all well. Uh, I'm going to start this morning by telling you a story about a woman I know called Emily. I've known Emily now for about 18 months, and I first met her when she came through the doors of the community centre where I work. And uh, when she, I first met her, she was telling me a, her life story as such and how she got, came to be here in the UK. And she had to flee the country that she came from with her young daughter. And when, now she was here in Manchester, she was really isolated, she was lonely, she was desperate, and she didn't know what to do. And um, over these, these months that followed, she got to know some people at the Oasis Centre and got some friends, so it was really great. But a few months after that, uh, Emily came through the doors of Oasis and she was happier than usual. She was bouncing around because she finally received her stay here in the UK. And as you can imagine, that's a really joyful time for people when they go in through this process. But actually, it's also a really scary time and a really fearful time because when someone receives their stay in the UK, they have 28 days to find a new house, to find a job or apply for the benefits that they're entitled to. And if they don't do that, then they face a very real likelihood of being homeless because you get thrown out of your accommodation once you have got your stay after 28 days. So I was there looking at it and she was all happy, but she was fearful, she was anxious, she was overwhelmed, she was desperate. So I was there looking at this desperate, poor family, asking God, how do I help her? How can I help her? So I prayed and I got my brain in gear, me and a few others, and that's what we began to do. We began to help her. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is helping the poor. And so, like Andy said this morning, we're continuing our series in Nehemiah and we're in chapter five. And in this chapter, we see Nehemiah also encountering poor people and we see him go about helping them. Over the past few weeks, we've been reading in Nehemiah about how the people of Jerusalem have come together to build the city walls and that this physical rebuilding is more than that. It's a spiritual rebuilding of God's people. But as Naomi just read to us, we see cracks in our forming in this community. There are people crying out against their brothers, saying that we are hungry. Because what's gone on is that there's a famine in the land, so there's less food to, be, to eat. It also means there's less food to eat because people are spending so much time and so much energy rebuilding the walls that they're not actually growing any agricultural products on their own lands. And because people are working so hard on the wall, they're also earning less money because they're not pursuing their usual day jobs. All of this, a poor yield in the fields, less being grown generally, means that the price of grain has also rocketed up. So people can't afford the grain that's available. So they're turning to the rich in the society, asking for loans to help them with this. And the rich people, rather than helping them, are using this as an opportunity to exploit them. In verse 7, we find out that those with money are charging interest to their Jewish brothers. Now, for me and for you, interest is probably a really normal thing. I'm going through the process of buying a house at the minute, and part of that process was looking at interest rates for mortgages. 
completely normal. But in those times, it was, it, and in that society, it was a terrible thing to do. And in the laws that were handed down to Moses on Mount Sinai, it explicitly says that you should not charge interest to your Jewish brothers. So not only was this act of charging interest blatantly dis disobeying the laws that they'd been given by God, but also meant that they were potentially destroying the livelihoods and futures of those who they were lending money to. As we've seen, those who couldn't pay back the loans were then selling off their family members. It was tearing apart society. Nehemiah sees this. He rebukes the rich. He says that what they're doing is not good. In fact, it says he's angry. He's fuming at these actions because the rich have gone away from the promises and the covenant that they have made with God. You see, the laws and customs of Israel are not just to avoid oppressing the poor, but it's to actively help them, to protect them. In Deuteronomy 15, it says, For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hands to, your, to the needy and to the poor in your land. And so it was for Israel, it is for us today. We should not avoid exploiting poor people, but we should be actively helping them, doing our best to protect them and uphold them in society. And that is the backdrop of this chapter, that two and a half thousand years ago, Nehemiah was going around the city of Jerusalem helping poor people. But what does that teach us about Christians today? Well, basically, it tells us that we need to be helping the poor, not exploiting them. Well, I don't think that is news to any of you, but, um, but the question is, how do we do it? How do we help the poor? And I think from this passage, there are two things that we can see to help us in this. The first is to use what we have. And the second is to make personal sacrifices. God has granted us all things that we can use to help the poor. Back in June, we saw Premier League football, footballer Marcus Rashford use what he had to help the poor. He used his position of, uh, of being in the public domain and his experience of growing up in a low-income family to lobby and pressure government to continue to support low-income families during the summer months. I remember seeing this, and as a Liverpool fan, I am not a Marcus Rashford fan, but he completely changed my opinion of him. And I'll hold my hands and say I was wrong, Marcus. Thank you for all that you've done to help the poor. But if as we look at today's passage, we see that Nehemiah used what he had to help the poor. He was the overall leader of the community in Jerusalem. He had been given this authority from Artaxerxes, the ruler of Persia. He also had a great knowledge of God's laws, and he had a large amount of wealth that he used as well. He used his position and his knowledge to call out the rich people, to rebuke them and challenge them on their actions. And, he, and by doing this, they changed their actions. And he used his livestock and his wealth to stop putting an extra burden on the people of Israel. And I'll come back to that a little bit later on. Because for, all the, for, for most of us, we, we aren't in a position of high authority. We're not in the public domain like Marcus Rashford or have authority given to us like Nehemiah did. But we have definitely all got things that we can use to help the poor. So what do you have and how can you use it 
Think about your job, your finances, your hobbies, your relationships, your house. <clears throat> when we stop and think about the things we have, we often have more at our disposal than we think of to help the poor. So for me, I work in a charity. It means that I've got uh, a pretty good knowledge of how the welfare system works and the benefit system works. I, I um, have a good income, actually. I earn a decent wage. And I'm married to a doctor who earns a very decent wage, which means that we can um, use our finances to help the poor. I know a lot of people who work in the charity sector and who have expertise in certain things. So if a poor person comes to me, I can point them in the right direction to get that expert help that they need. I enjoy sports, films, music, and all of these things can be used to help the poor in creative ways. So for you, you might have a specific set of influence over people in work or in society, and you could use that to protect and help poor people. Maybe you also earn a decent salary and you could support individuals or organizations that help the poor. Maybe you've got a really wide group of friends and family and you could get together with them, do a fundraiser for these organizations that help the poor, or maybe you know some poor people within your friendship groups and you could help them. Maybe you've got some spare time on evenings or afternoons or weekends and you could put that to use to help the poor. Or perhaps you have a magnificent set of practical skills. Maybe you're a DIY wizard or a catering extraordinaire and you can use that to help the poor. The thing is, there are amazing results when we put what we have to use to help the poor because God has given us all spiritual and practical gifts to help the poor. I know that my job makes it easy because I see people struggling every day and I'm paid to help the poor. But do you remember Emily who I talked to you about at the start? Well, actually there came a point where she was unfortunately without a place to stay one night. So I phoned Joe, my wife, and said, look, this is the situation. And she was, Joe was like, you know what? We've got a spare room, let her use it. So that's what we did. We used what we had in that situation to help the poor. So that's the first simple way in which we can help the poor by using what we have. And the second thing that we see from this passage is that we are called to make personal sacrifices. Helping the poor is costly. It costs time and potentially money. It will be emotionally and mentally draining. Just like the story I shared about Emily, sometimes you're journeying with people for months, maybe even years on end. And it just, you know, it can take a toll on you as you see people's situations not changing for months and months and months. But also it costs, with Emily, it costs Joe and I something as well. It, it cost me a, a night's sleep in my own bed. Emily and her daughter had to use our bed. Joe had moved to the spare room and I was on the sofa. It cost Joe and I our evening plans. It cost us money as we had to buy things suitable for a two-year-old. It may not come to a surprise to you that Joe and I aren't equipped for a two-year-old staying in our house. But that's what sacrifice is. It's giving something up. It's giving up an evening of TV. It's giving up that money you've been saving for for a new electrical item or gadget. It's giving up those few coffees or pints or a subscription service every month so that you can support a local organisation. 
whatever you choose to give up, it will amazingly bless the poor, but it will cost you. And Nehemiah knew this. Nehemiah knew that to help the poor, he had to make sacrifices. We have just had read of, uh, to us in the second half of this passage about how Nehemiah had to, uh, was entitled to a governor's tax because he was hosting huge feasts every night. And that this tax would become from those in the city that he was serving. But Nehemiah saw that the people were burdened heavily from the famine in the land and chose not to take this tax for 12 years. This meant that it cost him hugely. It cost him money, it cost him his livestock, but he did it all to help the poor. And it would have been very easy for Nehemiah to tell the rich people off and then continue about his way. And it's very easy for us to say the right things on social media, in friendship groups, but then not do stuff to help the poor. So my challenge this morning is, what can you give up? What can you make a personal sacrifice to help the poor? Could you give up some money to support a local or overseas charity dedicated to helping the poor? Could you give up some time to volunteer or just to spend half an hour chatting to a homeless people instead of walking past it? Just take some time this week to think about what could you do. But why do we make personal sacrifices? Because I say so? Absolutely not. Because God says so? Well, yes, but there's more to it than that. And we see this through a great friend of mine and actually my boss, Victoria Armstrong. Now, Victoria um, was given a God-given vision 20 plus years ago about helping the poor. I got this vision of a building pumping out God's love through the streets of Gordon, which is one of the most deprived areas in our city. And this vision that God gave Victoria, she has followed faithfully, and it has cost her. It's cost her better schools for her children. It's cost her a quiet housing estate in return for living next door to drug dealers throwing 24-hour parties. It's cost her emotionally as she's been journeying with people for months on end and then turn their back on her because they want a fix. But if you speak to Victoria, if you ask her, would she change her new fit? You would get a resounding no because she just sees the blessings in making sacrifice. She would tell you that every sacrifice she has made has been a blessing to her and to the people around her. And why does she give it all up? Because she just loves people. She loves the poor people so much. And that is what this is all about, love. Love is our motivation. You know, in the Bible it says, if I give all I possess to the poor, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And I'd love to pray for us in a bit that God would increase our compassion and our love for people so that we could make sacrifices freely, that we could use what we have to help the poor. And the only way that I can do my job at the Oasis Centre, the only way I could help Emily was because God put love in my heart to help them. He stirred me to help them. But ultimately, as Christians, we do not look to Nehemiah or to Victoria as an example. We look to somebody who gave up so much more and gave far more generously. We look to Jesus, who had all the power. He had all wealth. He had dominion over the whole world. And he gave it all up 
so that he could come and serve the lost, the broken, the poor and the marginalized of this earth. He had everything at his grasp, but he gave it up to help those people who didn't even like him. He came for the prostitute. He came for the sick, the orphan, the widow. He came for the addict. He came for the outcasts and those that society despised. He came not for the righteous person, but for the sinner. And he came for me. And he came for you. He lived his entire adult life, sacrificing the status and the power which was rightfully his, so that the needs of the poor, the broken, and the lost could be met. He came so that those people could enter the kingdom of God and receive eternal life. He ate with them, he stayed in their houses, and he called them to follow him. He said, blessed are the poor. And he laid everything down so that they could be reconciled to God. And he's called us to do the same. In Philippians 2, Paul writes, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So that's our challenge. How can we live like Jesus did? How can we make personal sacrifices like Jesus did? How can we follow this example of selfless giving and love? And the only way we can do that is by keeping our eyes fixed on him, looking at his example and getting him asking him to guide us in our lives and i want us to use what we have been given to do that and as we come to a close now i'm just going to pray for us i'm going to ask that the holy spirit would come and meet with us in our homes that he that it would inspire us to live as he did so let's pray lord jesus i thank you that you gave up everything so that you could come to earth and help us that you would help the poor and the broken and the marginalized and the lost. I thank you that on the cross, your victory was complete. And when you rose again on the third day, it was sealed. Lord, and I pray now that you would be with us in our homes, increasing our love, increasing our compassion for the lost and the broken. Lord, would you show and reveal to us the things that we have in our life to sacrifice, to give up, to use to help the poor. Lord, would you empower us to live as you lived. In Jesus' name, amen.